0: Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast brought to you by Social Media Examiner. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. Today, I'm going to be joined by Tom Breeze, and we're going to explore a fascinating new approach to YouTube ads. If you're using YouTube ads and they're not working for you and you're seeing your costs get out of control or you're struggling with your performance on the other platforms, You're going to absolutely love what we're going to talk about today. And we're going to dive deep, really deep into some very fascinating things that I think you're going to find really, really interesting. By the way, I'm at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. And if you're new to this podcast, be sure to follow this show so you don't miss any of our future content. Let's now transition over to this week's interview with Tom Breeze. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's
1: expert guide.
0: Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Tom Breeze. If you don't know who Tom is, he's a YouTube ads expert and author of Viewability, harness the power of YouTube ads and be there for your customer when it really counts. His company is Viewability and it helps businesses who sell high ticket products and services get more leads and sales with, you guessed it, YouTube ads. Tom, welcome back to the show. How are you doing today? I'm good, Mike. Thank you so much for having me back. Looking forward to this conversation. I'm very excited to have you here today. Today, Tom and I are going to explore a new strategy for YouTube ads. Now, Tom, the last time you were on the show was quite a few years back and it was in 2020. And we're going to get to what's changed since then. But before we go there, there are some people listening to this show right now that are maybe more focused on Instagram or Facebook or TikTok. Or LinkedIn, and maybe they're not paying attention to YouTube ads. And what I would love for you to share with them is maybe why they might want to pay attention to YouTube ads. What's what's your take on why they might want to explore this opportunity?
1: That's a great question, and I think we should start out by acknowledging how big YouTube is and how fast it's growing as well. Like it, we all know where YouTube is. If you look at like the youth of today, they're treating YouTube as the platform that's pretty much overtaken TV now. And it just becomes this behemoth that keeps on growing. Its revenue keeps on increasing. <laughs> so uh, the ad inventory and and uh, how brands are advertising the platform keeps on increasing. The platform's getting better. And more recently, YouTube, have, which is kind of a bit more behind the scenes, they've kind of shifted their gears a little bit to move from an advertiser-focused outlook, so to speak, to more of a user-based outlook. And we can get into that later, but like, it means that they're now focusing heavily on user experience and making sure that when people go to that platform, they're spending a lot of time there, they're liking the content they're seeing, they're engaging with it, and it's becoming a stickier and stickier platform. So for a brand that's considering a platform outside of the Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, LinkedIn ecosystems... YouTube is this, this like huge platform that works very differently because it's still considered, I think, a social media platform, stroke search engine. No one knows where to place YouTube necessarily, but it's this platform where people go to when they're full of intent, they're looking for answers, they're looking for solutions. And if you're a brand that has good content and good value to share, it's an amazing platform to be on. And. When people are there, this like the average session duration is forty minutes. Wow, yeah, which is huge, isn't it? So people go there. Some people will be there for a short period of time. Some people are there binge watching content, and we're all guilty of it. We know what that's like. You get into YouTube and you go down the rabbit hole. and You are just consuming content, and you realize, wait a second, I just spent an hour <laughs> doing this. But during that period, there's a very good chance you've watched some videos from new brands you've experienced for the first time, and you've got to know them, you've got to like them, you would trust what they have to say. And if you spend enough time with them, you're starting to consider even buying something from them. You want them in your life more because you think like, this is really good content. I want more of it. And I think that's really important from where we're at right now and moving this, this world of AI. We're going to have so many sources of information we can gather information from and when you have that and you have a overwhelming amount of information out there just present and always being created on the fly you're going to start to lean towards and pivot towards sources of information and say i need a brand i need someone who i can trust to give me the information i need and that's where video works particularly well but obviously the home of video is on youtube so If you can establish your brand now on YouTube, you stand to position yourself as that thought leader, but also in the eyes of your viewers, they'll get to see you, know you, like you, trust you, but would value you and would go back to you to see what you have to say. I do that all the time. I kind of subscribe to people's channels because I'm like, if I want to buy a new camera, I know exactly the channels I'll go to to see if they've reviewed those products. And if they like them, I'll buy them. If they don't like them, I won't buy them. And I don't consider even the the brand telling me how great it is. I want to see what the YouTuber has to say about that product. And it says a lot, doesn't it, about the brand and the impacts you can have if you're a if you're a contributor on those platforms.
0: You know, and there's a couple of thoughts that are going through my mind. Number one, it's a video first platform, which means audio will be unmuted, right? This is worth like actually emphasizing, right? Because like on Facebook or Instagram, audio is not going to necessarily be unmuted, right? Like, and when you're watching YouTube, as a consumer, you're expecting to hear something and see something, right? And the fact that that ad is actually not muted is actually a really important thing. Would you agree with that?
1: Totally. I think that the the user consumption of content on the platform is very much so that, as you say, we're not scrolling and doom scrolling through videos. We're selecting the videos we want to watch and then are sitting back and actually watching the content. We're not kind of scrolling through our feed and just hovering, waiting to move on to the next vid- on the next content piece, you know, it's, it, we don't really do that on YouTube, you press play on a video, it takes up your whole entire screen. And then you've got to kind of minimize it and move on to the next video. You, it, it's a platform that's designed for people to kind of really consume the content and therefore, when it comes to captions, it can be useful. Occasionally to have that just to re-emphasize the point, but I would say that you can create your videos without captions and still have because people are watching with audio on and are watching the video so yeah as you say it's a it's a platform where the content is consumed and and i think on top of that as well is that by creating a video there's effort involved in that and if you're good at content it means you can establish yourself as an expert quite quickly because the heuristic or the mental shortcut that your viewers will have will be like if you've gone to the trouble of creating this video and you've got things to say and you've created more video like this on the platform then you must be an expert They'll just make that kind of, I would say, logical jump, but it's, it's a jump that they'll make because they think like, well, you've created loads of content on this before. You must know what you're talking about. And that jump of you must know what you're talking about should probably be true, but it also positions those people and especially personal brands as experts very quickly.
0: You know, one of the thought that I think might be something worth stating is that most people that watch YouTube, I think, have a conceptual understanding that they're supporting creators by letting those ads play. Because they know that a lot of the people on YouTube are small creators that are getting shared, that are sharing the revenue with the advertisers, right? And I think that some people are actually going to not hit the skip button on their favorite YouTubers because they know that that's actually helping the YouTuber, which is actually good for the brand, you know? And you would never experience that on any other platform, right? Because it's there's no revenue share with the creators. I'm just curious, had you ever thought about it from that perspective? Because I know with podcasts, I do that. With podcasts, I will listen to the first ad. I may not listen to five minutes of ads, you know, but I'll listen to the first one because I know that's probably the most expensive ad and I want to support the creator. That's interesting.
1: I haven't thought of it like that. I always just look at the ad and press skip. But I think it's (laughs) legit, don't you think?
0: But I think it's, I think for your favorite creators, you might actually not press skip. You know what I mean? Depending on where it is, if it's in the middle of the the video, you might just be like, okay, I know this is supporting the creator. So I'm going to go ahead and let it it go. Just throwing it out there. Okay. Now we're going to get into what? Last time you were on the show was back in December of 2020. It's now summer of 2023 as we're recording this approximately spring, summertime. And a lot has changed, right? With YouTube ads. So why don't you just kind of reveal for those of us that haven't been paying attention, what has changed? Because it's pretty dramatic
1: what's changing here, isn't it? But yeah, there's, there's two really big moves. One that's pretty well known in the ad space and one that's not very well known in the ad space. And there's a plethora of other mini changes that have been happening as well. So I, we've been, I've been writing a book recently, and I think I'm up to like something like 34 dots. I've called it connecting the dots as one part of this chapter. It's just to be like, you need to look at YouTube differently if you're a promoter or an advertiser on the platform. And there's like 34 different things that are worth considering. Wow. But there's two really major things that have changed the game drastically. And when I said change the game, it's changed the game already, but we, we won't really notice it until it's too late if we don't take action now. And that's not a warning. It's more like, it's just happening. It's just the way we're going. And that doesn't even include AI, so that might be another big dot that we probably need to handle in the next couple of years. But the biggest obvious thing that's happened is the removal of many types of targeting that have been the uh, the bread and butter of running YouTube ad campaigns. So, in the past, if a client had come to us and or a prospect had come to us and said, "We we want to get into YouTube, we want to diversify some of our traffic sources and beyond the platform of YouTube," we're getting started. Can you help us? One of the biggest things I'll look for is like, can I get in front of that audience easily? If I can target that audience easily, then my life becomes a lot, lot simpler to run those campaigns. And the targeting I would have gone for in the past would be things like placement targeting, which is where you can make sure your ad runs in front of other videos by literally selecting the content creator's video and say, I want to run my ad in front of that video there. And you can select actually the, the individual videos or the channels. That was like placement targeting. You could have keyword targeting, which is where if someone's recently typed in a keyword or have been watching videos about those sorts of keywords, then you would tag, like you'd almost like show your ads in front of those people. There was topic targeting where if you, if a user was going to YouTube and watching lots of content around that particular topic that you chose, which is like a Google topic uh, that they created themselves. And you can say, oh, I'll select that topic that could be useful to advertise. That was another option. And also, you'd be able to build similar audiences, which is kind of like lookalike audiences, and those have changed as well. So placement targeting, keyword targeting, topic targeting, and similar audience targeting are have gone or are going away for any time you're running conversion focused campaigns. So if you're looking to get Google's algorithms to help you, so like they have kind of two major machine learning campaigns, which is like maximize conversion, bidding strategy and target cpa bidding strategy for youtube those are the main ones when you're running your campaigns you're saying to google can you help out a little bit like can you help optimize and get in front of the right sort of people and i'm going to give you this targeting well that targeting's now gone away so
0: just so i can clarify so when you're running ad campaigns that are focused on conversions they're removing all of these targets but you can still target these in another way is that what i'm hearing you say or,
1: or no? Yes, you can you can target them in other ways. You can still use placements, keywords, topics, not similar audiences. Those are actually going away across the board, but they're being folded into a, a different type of targeting. Let's focus on placements, keywords, and topics as, as targeting options. Yeah. For, if you wanted to run conversion-focused campaigns in, in Google's eyes, conversion-focused campaigns, then they're all gone away. And, and that's going to be 95, if not more, percent of YouTube advertisers will be using that type of targeting strategy. I see. And so now it's gone a lot more audience-based. So there's a lot more reliance on things like custom audiences, where you can build audiences for yourself based off keywords that people have typed into Google or websites they visit. And then you can use things like in-market audiences. Those types of things that have been around for a little while are now becoming the major way to target your audience on YouTube. Interesting. And some people are able to make that change quite easily. They kind of are able to find those audiences, create them themselves and then make it work. And that's great, but there's a lot of people that are really struggling to do that and it's becoming a problem because obviously if your CPAs or your cost per acquisition goes up and you can't afford the traffic, all of a sudden YouTube becomes a very difficult game to be successful on. And that's happening to a lot of brands. We get a lot of people coming through to us being like, what do we do? We've been running ads for a long time and nothing's working any longer. Can you help us out? And that's normally where we get like, prospects coming through from now. We see a lot of that in the marketplace. And it's not like we have all the answers for that focus. So they've, they've taken these targeting options away. You, as you say, you can still use those targeting options in other ways. So you can decide not to have a conversion-focused campaign. And you can do a, uh, like a manual bidding campaign where you select your cost per view. And it's almost like a, a bidding war at that point. Those have notoriously not been very successful in recent years compared to the conversion focus campaigns, or there's, are those targeting options are available for very different ad types that we'll get into, which is part of a, a strategy that I recommend for people. What I'd say is it's just harder because of that getting into advertising on YouTube. It's the, like the on-ramp of getting onto the kind of the highway of really successful ads on YouTube is harder than it's ever been before, right at this moment in time. It's caused problems for a lot of people. I think long-term, it's going to be great. It's just that short-term, people have to adapt or it's going to be problematic for them.
0: What about this CPM-CTR pairing thing that we
1: were talking about in our pre-call? Yeah, this is the second big, big change that's kind of gone onto the radar and people haven't realized But only now they're starting to see the ramifications of this change that YouTube have made. So just before the pandemic really took hold, when and this is the start of when YouTube were bringing out these conversion focused campaigns where you could use some of the machine learning. YouTube shifted from a, a bidding war strategy, so to speak, like, like the good old days of Google advertising, almost where you say, well, I'm willing to pay this much to be right at the top with my ad on the Google interface. It's same with YouTube. You'd almost be like, right, well, my maximum cost per view will be a dollar or $5 or whatever you wanted to be. And you'd almost like outbid your competition to show your ad. And then they started to introduce the machine learning and they, and those performed very well after a few months of testing and things, they brought these out, but the the way that they, the the financial model behind those ads differed and what ends up happening is that, and the, the whole reason why they did this is because they realized that. They want to make sure that people stay on the platform. Obviously, if you're YouTube and you're running this big platform, you want your users to stay on the platform so that, because your users watch more videos, and that's how the content creators and how YouTube make their money. Prior to that, they were fully focused on the advertiser because they needed to get advertising dollars onto the platform. And not many people are advertising on the platform for many years. I've been doing this for 10 years. And for many years, it was super easy to get great results because no one else was there. It was almost like you could throw up any ad and it would probably work. And the competition was very low because YouTube were focused on like We've got to get more advertisers on the platform. So they'll kind of do whatever they can to get you there. It was the same with Google when that started out. And they would favor the advertiser. And then as more and more advertisers come on board and everyone realizes this is a great platform, they start to put restrictions in place because they now focus their attention to making the the user experience better it's just the natural way of things you know like so if you create a new platform you've got to let the advertiser win for a long period of time until the point where you need to either regulate or you need to think actually hang on a second if this just becomes an advertising platform there'll be no users here and so we've got to shift our focus to make sure the users are happy and by changing this financial model what they did is they said if you're video ad is very good at getting people to click away from the platform. We're going to charge you more, Mm. which means in the data set that we were looking at was saying, if our click through rates increase, which has been the kind of the go-to thing to improve your YouTube ad campaigns. If your click through rate increases, your CPMs increase or your cost per meal or your cost of advertising increases, but not by just a little bit by a whopping great amount, you can get four times more expensive traffic. By doubling your click-through (laughs) rates. It can be so cost prohibitive to to figure this out. So you run these ads and you're like, oh, I've got great click-through rate. This is going to be such a good ad. And then you look at it and you're like, well, hang on a second, the costs are going through the roof. What's going on here? And you can't run the ad any longer. And people don't look, because it's not an obvious thing to look for. You don't look for, oh, what's the cost of advertising for that video in that campaign that's got a very high click-through rate. You just Don't see it well. And this is the opposite of the way it used to be, right?
0: In the olden days, it was like maximized for click through rate, right? So the idea was that whatever got the most amount of click through rate was going to be the ad that was going to be delivered. But now what you're saying is that because YouTube wants to keep people on platform so that they can display more ads to them, presumably, right? And also allow them to have a longer session duration. Like you mentioned earlier, they're actually going to punish ads that are designed to take you off platform, which is
1: almost exactly what the purpose of most ads is, right? So this is a quandary, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, this is the quandary. And you're like, well, hang on a second. How do we run ads on the platform then? Like, What's the way to do this? Right. And then when you think it through, so there's a formula that, is the kind of the mathematics of running a youtube ad campaign so you've got your cpm divided by your click-through rate multiplied by your conversion rate on your website so really it's kind of like your cost of advertising divided by your kind of the conversion rate of your customer journey and that'll be your cost per acquisition of a new customer for years i was like well what we need to do is we need to increase the click-through rate and increase the conversion rate on the website and I was like, yeah, if we increase those numbers, then the CPA will go down, which is a good thing. And I was like, well, the CPM thing on top of the equation, what influences that? Because it had wild swings. I was like, maybe it's competition, maybe it's seasonality, maybe it's just ad fatigue, maybe it's something. So I was like, okay, I'm going to get into this. And I couldn't work it out because I saw like little tiny fluctuations to be like, seasonality does impact it, but not hugely, but you see these massive swings of CPMs go all over the place. And it wasn't until I paired the two together and I was like, oh my word, if you increase your click-through rate, your CPM goes, there's it's such a neat journey together. You know, like the increase, the CPM increase and the CTR increase and, and decrease goes up and down. It just follows each other beautifully so closely that you're like, well, it's, it's so obvious.
0: And it's obvious to you, but it's not obvious to most of the world, right? So you just helped unlock some people who are running YouTube ads that do not understand why the costs are out of control. And it's because you're doing the opposite of what YouTube wants you to do, although you are doing what you want to do. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. And I think this is a good transition into, like, let's talk about the solution. How do we go about creating ads? What strategy ought we take considering this quandary, right? Like, which is we got to leave people on the platform if we want the more economical thing. But that doesn't seem to fit with what our objective is, right? So,
1: Yeah. yeah. I'm glad you're you're thinking it through in exactly the way I thought it through. I was like, well, hang on a second. This is like the complete opposite of what i got to do here. And and, and it's a genius move by YouTube, really, because the outcome is a better experience for everybody. So when you advertise, you're having to align with a customer experience. And if you can get a good user experience or good customer experience with your advertising, then you, you stand to make a lot more profit and scale in your campaigns. So... The way you do it, and if you go back to the mathematics thing, is you say, right, you reduce your CTR, you reduce your click-through rate, which reduces your CPMs. So you're back in the sweet spot. But then you have to make sure your con- conversion rate is much, much higher. And the way to do that is to build more of the customer journey and more of the relationship building all onto YouTube. And so you need more time to do that. So now you would say, right, okay, well, look, what, what happens if we were, create a, we were to create a longer video ad? maybe 10 minutes, let's say. And it might be eight minutes of almost like pure value and content. So it'd be perfect for an organic video on YouTube, along with a two-minute call to action, because you've earned their their trust. You've earned that time to be able to pitch something to your users at that point, those viewers at that point. And that format in itself, by running it for longer, you're gonna find that you have a much lower click-through rate, but you've built ridiculously good relationships with people. They've got to know, like, and trust you, you, I recommend you put your, your price point of your product, or at least give them a real clear call to action and tell them exactly what to go do on the video itself. And so you're building a relationship. You're telling people exactly what to do. You're really informing them of what the next step looks like. And at that point, because it's 10 minutes, you're going to lower click through rates, lower CPM. But then if someone does decide to click, they're so informed that your conversion rates go through the roof. And what we noticed is that like, actually, do you know what? Some people are just sitting on amazing ads. They've created because they're organic experts, they're content creators. They've created this really valuable content and just a subtle pitch at the end to say, hey, by the way, if you've liked this, we do have this other thing that I think you're going to really enjoy. Subtle call to actions can work ridiculously well for the platform and for your users because you're coming at it from a standpoint of saying, this is really, really high quality value. People love that. And then informed of where the next step would take them. And they go and take that action. And it shouldn't be surprising. But from a performance advertiser or like a direct response advertiser through and through for the last 10 years, it's like, well, yeah, it, does, it makes sense to just give people really good value and content and deliver on that and then tell people what the next step is. Because at some point, you'll probably be doing that in the customer journey anyway. You might as well just front load it and put it all onto YouTube and get far more people watching your content. You, you'll see that when you do it like that, you'll have all the people that start your video, you'll have 50% of your audience still watching after like eight minutes. It's crazy high retention. And that's what we kind of almost gear up for is to say, how do we get really high retention? Because if we get that, we can build a relationship with so many people. You build your brand and it becomes really profitable. So that's kind of like the the timing framework of of an ad and like the overall strategy, so to speak, of saying, how do we put this together? But where I go with this is to say, if you were looking to build a campaign and start up a campaign like this, I would say, right, do you have any content that's really killer right now already that you've created in the last year or so. That might be plenty good enough. But I would, I would think about like your customers and because when you run these sorts of ads, I'd recommend running what's called an in-feed video ad. You're meeting people in their flow. So on YouTube, instead of interrupting them with an ad that kind of comes up with, what's like, called a pre-roll or an in-stream ad, you're not gonna run those sorts of ads, um, not to start with anyway. What you do instead is you run in-feed, video ads. These are the ads that come up um, on the right hand side when you're watching on a desktop or if you're watching on a mobile device as you scroll down there'll be like you could sponsor your thumbnail and your title there. So you're basically paying to be in front of your customers but just with the thumbnail and and you'll only pay if they click to play your video. But the beauty is there you're you're kind of you're meeting them when they're in the flow they don't really realize it's an ad because it's only a very subtle marker to show it's an ad not many people realize that. So you're kind of paying to, to play organically, so to speak. You're saying, I'm I'm willing to pay to get this video in front of my viewers. And if they decide to play it, then I get paid. Oh, then I have to pay, sorry. And that is a really simple, elegant way of advertising, because you're just getting in front of them like their normal flow, their normal experience. And you're just making sure you test a few of your videos to see which ones really connect. So you want to Choose your keywords, make sure the title and the thumbnail of that video really connect with the keyword search term. And then the first three seconds of what you say needs to correlate to the title and the thumbnail. If those, are all, if those three things are closely tied together, you'll find you'll be setting yourself up for really high retention, which is the key to this, is to make sure you get really, really high retention.
0: A uh, Quick question on, on this keywords and really research in general right like not everybody listening to this is going to have that killer organic video that they that that already seems to have a really good retention graph and is highly educational and has a decent call to action at the end of it you said some keywords so talk about keywords like and give us a little bit of insight on whatever kind of research we should do so we kind of can prepare to make this video perform
1: okay cool so uh, youtube keyword research is is a difficult one to master. And I'm I'm speaking at this as a advertiser. There aren't many good tools out there, to be quite honest. There's some, there's a lot of good predictor tools, so to speak, that like answer the public. For example, there's one that I might go to every now and again. But really the the way that I do this is I start off with a seed keyword idea. I'm just like, right, what I think I can create content on is this. And so I'll have like, okay, cool, I've got an idea of what I think I can kind of talk about. Uh, But but what does YouTube have to say about that? Because it's one thing coming up with like a Google-related keyword search. You think, ah, okay, cool. This is what people might type in. But what people type in is irrelevant, not irrelevant, but it's very, like, it doesn't weigh heavily in my mind, so to speak. What I'll do instead is I'll be like, right, give me me a keyword idea, Mike, and then we can kind of explore it a little bit. Let's
0: say how to create a thumbnail. Let's say you're a graphic designer,
1: okay? And, And you're trying to sell thumbnails, okay? Okay, perfect. All right. So you might say how to create a a YouTube thumbnail, for example. I would start that. I wouldn't try and embellish it any further. I wouldn't try and say how to create a killer thumbnail or anything like that. I'd just say how to create a thumbnail. I'll go to YouTube and I'll type those keywords in. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to look through all the titles of the videos that come up. And there's going to be a very good chance that it'll be videos that will be out there. It'll be like the best three ways to create thumbnails in 2023. I'd be like, oh, okay, I could do that. I could do a good version of that and or have my opinion or uh, I've got five ways of doing it actually. So you, but you're gonna get the framework and the idea of what a good title might be for your video. And so that's what I'd kind of start with is to say, try and come up with the title of your video and then and then think like, what would my thumbnail look like if I was to do that? And I, almost like I know I can create the content for it, right? But it's like I'm just going to shape it to be very, very YouTube friendly. And then when I go and get my keywords, I'm literally creating keywords based off the titles of the videos that are already ranking. So I'm not using Google or anything like that. I'm literally just going through and be like, right, what's the first one about? That's the top ten ways to create YouTube thumbnails in 2023. Now, if that was a keyword, I might say, or if that was the title, sorry, of the YouTube video, I might then turn that into two or three different keywords that I would use in my campaign. So it might be something like thumbnail design or something like that. Well, yeah, it could be. So that would be the obvious one that would jump out at us, wouldn't it? But I would almost like say top 10 ways to create a thumbnail. That's a keyword. A keyword can be an entire sentence is what you're saying. Yeah. Less than eight words. I think it has to be. Okay, good. So Yeah. So, so then I'll be like, right. Top thumbnails of 2023 or uh, top YouTube thumbnail creation, 2023. And I'll play around with so many different things. I might even type in YouTube, thumbnails, thumbnails, YouTube, 2023. (laughs) I know it doesn't make any sense whatsoever.
0: What are you looking for when you type these in just to see if a different variety of videos come up or like, how do you even know which
1: ones to use? I won't know. So I just dump a load in and then I start spending money on them. I see. And you'll be so surprised which ones win. I don't know until I start running some money. But like the beauty of this camp, this type of thing is you can spend $10 and get so much data because your $10 will get a lot of views and a lot of views will tell you how much retention those views turned into. And so if you had like, let's say 20 views on a keyword that you just made up, you didn't know if it's going to work or not. And you had, you had like a um, hundred views, let's say a hundred views on a keyword that you didn't know if it was going to work or not. But then you saw the retention numbers were really high. You'd be like, that's a good keyword. I know it is because they're watching the video all the way through. And I spent a dollar. and I know now it's a really good keyword. And so I would not try and play the game of figuring out every single keyword that I could go and grab. I'm like, I'm really quick about it. I go and grab as many as I can. And then I'd use that for my second round. I'd be like, right, of the 50 that we started with, 10 seem to be working quite well. Now use those 10 to generate some more keyword ideas of different titles that I can extrapolate into keywords again. And I dump those back into a, probably a new campaign and see how those perform. And I'm just doing that iterative process basically of saying, right, these are the best ones. Let's get some more, let's get some more and keep going from there. Because I just don't know what keywords are going to work. There's no rhyme or reason sometimes as to which ones work well and which ones don't. You're kind of working with YouTube's algorithm to place you in front of these other videos.
0: You know, I've got a question on this. How accurate does it have to be like exact match or like what are the options as far as keywords? Does YouTube kind of try to figure out the intent of the way you put it in there or do you put them in quotes? Do you understand? Like in the olden days when I used to do Google ads, you had options to do exact matches versus, you
1: know, I don't know, other, whatever they call them. Is the same thing still with YouTube? Officially you can set them up like that, but I don't. Um, I literally just put them all in broad. we tested quite a few times. There's no, no real difference uh, whatsoever. The only time I would be dubious about whether a keyword is going to work or not, because I normally keep it very closely knit to the actual topic and title of the video. And then I make sure that the creative is good enough, like the video is good enough to uphold and say, that will answer that question. But sometimes you go a little bit outside of that when you might say, let's pick up a brand name. So it might advertise on a lot of like YouTube channel names, for example. Got it. Like if I was a thumbnail designer, there's a very good chance I might use social media examiner or use Michael Stelzner as a keyword because I'm, I'm like, that's the sort of crowd that would be kind of interested in this. And I don't know how that's going to perform just yet, but we might work really well. It might not work well, but I don't know. So I'll keep an eye on those ones. Definitely.
0: Now, of course, we're using an example of a thumbnail designer, which is kind of unusual, but the thumbnail itself, normally I know a best practice on YouTube is not to have the same words as the title of the video, but for a YouTube ad, any thoughts on like what we should or shouldn't include in the thumbnail? Is it generally best just to have a visual or words in there? What's your thoughts?
1: Yeah, it, this can get quite deep as well. So I like to, because I'm like heavy on education. I want to make sure that before someone clicks, they know it's an educational video. And so I might show up a model of some sort, like a framework or a system, show that in the video, or if you don't have that. As the, as the thumbnail, you mean? Uh, yeah, you might. I definitely include the face yeah. which, or your, of your personal brand. Definitely do that. And I wouldn't make it staged. I'd make it like you're halfway through your video. So don't make it like a beautiful shot of you smiling. I would make it more like that you're in the video.
0: Like it was legitimately just captured from the video.
1: Yeah, exactly. You might just say, oh, halfway through, I found a good bit that looks like I'm teaching. I'll use that. If there's graphic designers here, then they might kind of put like a, a nice shadow around you, as the individual, just make it pop a little bit more or put some color around it, for example, and just make it a bit more obvious of what you're talking about, but yeah, show a framework, show a system, we work with the drumming expert, and on their drum set they'll have they'll kind of superimpose numbers on the drum set, and it makes you feel like oh I'm going to learn a system or an approach to playing the drums, and then they'll use emojis as well as a big part of it because emojis are a small icon, but can exp- Kind of actually do a lot of communication you know like a, a mind blown emoji for example stands out as well as it kind of tells you like this is going to be a great video probably and uh, and then you might even if you definitely had like the five ways to do something i'd probably highlight that as well but you don't want to overcrowd it you just want to make sure it's um nicely designed but there's some cool. kind of bullet point ideas to think about
0: Let's talk about your how to create a great organic video that could be used as an ad. I know you have a cool little system. Maybe we could go through that real quick.
1: Yeah, exactly. So this is called Educate, and um, it's an acronym. So there's uh, each letter uh, stands for something. And um, but that would be talking about thumbnails, like Educate as a um, a system of like seven letters could be a perfect thing to add to a video. You know, so it's like, or the th- video thumbnail. So you're like, you want to learn the educate framework. It's like, oh, cool. I'm going to, you're going to buying time from people as well, because you're saying like, you're going to learn a whole framework. You're going to stick around for 15 minutes, maybe because I've got this to talk about, you know, but it starts with a for attention and attention is so important. The first three seconds of video, you need to make sure you say the words of the title of the video. So as soon as someone presses play, they know they're in the right place. They know that they've clicked the video and they're going to get what you've said they're going to get. Don't start with a story. Don't introduce yourself. Don't have a brand logo spinning around. You'll just lose all your audience immediately. So like in
0: today's video, we're going to learn about how to create a killer thumbnail in seven steps or something like
1: that if I'm the thumbnail designer, right? Yeah, you could do that. I would almost go one stage further if it's possible and say, if you had like the seven best ways to create a thumbnail, you could even start with like, all right. first way let's get into it because they already know what the video thumbnail is going to be about you might as well just scrap that first part and just say that's what people want they want you to get straight into the content
0: okay so we're here to talk about thumbnails here's the first one something along those lines right so yeah so that you instantly know somehow you that three seconds
1: part's got to be in there though is what you're talking about right exactly you need to get really quick into the content you might call out your demographic or your psychographic if it's important so if you're going in front of golfer's who are looking to improve their swing or something, and it's for the older demographic, you might say, all right, if you're a 65 plus weekend golfer, let's get into this. So you might immediately just call out your audience. So someone's there like, oh, wow, this is actually for me. Great. And it's just the... It's going to buy you so much more time from those people because they're like cool is that also
0: going to help you with your ad costs because if they don't if they abandon it in the first couple of seconds you're not going to get billed or is that not necessarily the case in here
1: not so much because you're going to be paying your cpm anyway regardless or your cost per view in this instance you, you've already paid for it you just want to make sure the viewer feels comfortable that like okay cool i'm in the right place at this point in the video
0: okay so a is attention
1: yeah, but also what I would do in that, start that video as well is is show your framework. So if it was educate, I'll bring up a piece of, I should have like a framework here. I can just bring it up and it'll be on a, on a little board or something, or I might share my screen with you, or like a presentation or something and say, here it is, educate, let's get into it. Um, and you want to tell people as quickly as possible as well, why they need to know it. So it's all the motivating factors that are going to move them towards it. So like the immediate wants. If they get it, their outcomes, and if they get that, how they will feel and their emotional benefits. And if they if they don't do this, what challenge they're going to exist with? What what's going to stick around? The pain that goes with that, and what they stand to lose long term as well if they don't do this. There's a lot that can pack into that, but I would say condense it down as much as possible. If you find it difficult to condense it down, ChatGPT will do it for you. Just put it say, just put it all in there and say, can you make this a lot shorter? and it'll probably do a very good job of it. You want to try and get quickly into the fact that like, this is what the content's going to be about. Let's start out. You can even start teaching that moment, but you do want to quite quickly kind of share with them all the reasons for doing it and the benefits and the reasons, if you don't do it, what will happen, the consequences as well. Now, as soon as you've done that, you can move into the D of educate, which is the demonstration. And here you're really going to break down your product or your teaching or you're going to kind of showcase the content, the value you're going to deliver to people. And I normally follow a system called the format system that's kind of adopted by NLP, which is like you go through four steps and it's all about the learning modalities and the the way people learn information. Because obviously you're speaking to a lot of people when you're running a YouTube video. I know it's one by one, but there's going to be a lot of people that watch your video. So you want to talk about like, if you're going to break down your system, let's say it's Educate, you would break it down so that you would have why each step is important what they need to know how it might be put into practice and then what that's going to mean for them so it's kind of the four steps why what how and what if um and if they have those four parts if you go through those four teaching like modalities as you go through each step of your action plan or your kind of your framework or whatever it is you're teaching people are just going to feel like cool i'm in the right i know where i'm at i'm I'm learning this and i'm going through your framework and it makes it Much easier to consume. Now, in terms of how long to make it, earlier we said an eight-minute video with a two-minute call to action. It could be longer than that. It could even be shorter than that. But I would say that time is a really interesting concept when it comes to advertising. Because if someone feels that they've spent a lot of time with you, they'll perceive that they've that it's kind of a sunk cost fallacy. They're kind of like they've been here for long so long, they've got so much value from you. There'll be a little bit of reciprocity of like, I want to. (laughs) Payback. I like this person, and I would buy their programs. But also, once you start investing a lot of time, this is why VSLs work so well, video sales letters work so well. Once you spent spent like twenty minutes to thirty minutes watching a video, you're like, oh well, now I've got to buy the thing because I can't just say that I watched thirty minutes and then just disappeared. (laughs) It's almost like the it's a bit of a fallacy, but it 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 really is a motivating factor for a lot of people. They kind of sunk that much time into something. The demonstration is make sure you just deliver value. So keep it concise, but if if it's Longer because of good reason for it being longer than great. Go for it. And then once you've done your teaching, you're to now move into your call to action. And this is all the rest of educate really. Um, so you can infuse this in as you go, but, and, and you don't need to cover everything I'm going to talk about, but the U of educate is, um, so it's A-D-U-C-A-T-E. U is for unique. So unique is saying that you have to be unique to the viewer and your solution has to be unique to the to the user so you want to make sure you talk about your motivation to create this framework in the first place like why was it so important for you to fix this problem for people and you want to share with people your values like and you may not have uncovered this for yourself before either but like why did you do what you do why is it so important to you and what are your values? Like, it's really important to share that with your viewer because it will make them connect with you a lot, a lot more powerfully if they feel like, oh, yeah, I, could, I stand for the same thing. Like, if you just wouldn't put up with this problem any longer, and why is that the case? Maybe there's a bit of a backstory behind it. They'll feel like not only you may be qualified because you're an expert in this area, but they emotionally they're attached to you. They're kind of connected on the same journey with you. and They, they want to be part of your mission almost to fix this problem. Now, you also want to show people, so you're showing them your values and and why it's so important to you. You also want to show them your unique point of view on things. So if you have a background that allowed you to tackle this problem in the first place when no one else had that background, and that's why you were able to fix this problem, you definitely want to talk about that. So so for me, looking at advertising on YouTube, I feel like I have a unique perspective to most people because I've been doing direct response advertising on YouTube for 10 years. And I was able to look at all the data we've got access to and realize, ah, oh, there's a root cause problem. There's a, this CP like this, this CPM versus, versus CTR, this, this a, that's a real big problem. Like, and I'm, I can uncover that for people. And they're like, oh my word, this makes so much sense. And, and that's what you need to do for people. You need to show them that you have a unique background so that they can trust in the fact that you found the root cause, the problem when no one else has found it before, if you can get that into the video and they realize that, oh, wow, I get it and I get also why I've never fixed this problem myself before. And why there's been no solutions up until this date to fix this for me, this is a solution that, that actually will work for me. So that's a, it's a really important part to position your, your solution and your value to people as well. And it will position your solution as better than anything else that's out there. So that's the kind of the unique element of Educate, And then, then we move into the C of educate, which is your customer. Now, by this point if they realize that like this is root cause you found it and you've given them a framework to fix this they're now got an option to either do something about it or not those people that will do something about it we call them gwds like in terms of like they get it they want it and they'll do it those are people that are kind of easy to convince they're probably already finding the link to go click and go buy anyway you can talk about those people like hey look chances are, if you've been watching this video, you might be someone that's just ready to just get into this want it, and do it. You'll find a link in this video you can do a soft call to action. But before you do that, tell them the type of identity they have, like who are those sorts of people that go and do that. You might be an action taker. You might be someone who's just a kind of a real go getter, something that like is part of who you like to serve. You say, these are the people that um, I work with really well. They might have a level of status and they're part of your community. So people like us will go click that link and go do it because you you know it's going to make sense for you. You finally found a solution that's going to work for you. Off you go, done it. You also might be identity B. You also might be someone that's not ready yet. Now, we don't want to kind of position them as lesser by any stretch of the imagination, but what we do want to do is align with them. Because we want to say, look, the chances are you're not ready to make a step just yet is because you have probably been burnt in the past. And really, when we do like psychological analysis of this, it's like it's part of the person who doesn't want to take action because there's a big part of their internal unconscious mind, which is full of protection, saying, Don't go buy that thing, don't go do that thing, don't take action because we want to keep you in a safe space. Last time you did that, do you remember when it, you burnt your fingers last time you did that? Don't do that again. That was a silly thing to do. And it's a great mechanism for your mind to have, but it's protection. And you can't fight it. You can only align with it. And so the best way to do this is to align with them and say, look, yeah, chances are because I was in a similar place. I tried out so many different things and got burnt before as well. I get it. That's the whole reason why I started this thing in the first place. So you kind of want to align with them and say, look, this is your opportunity to become a GWD, someone who gets it, wants to want to do it. You have this opportunity now. And it's your choice to choose which identity you want to be. Do you want to be someone who's a dabbler and doesn't want to do this? Or do you want to actually go and do this properly now? And that creates tension. And that's what we need to get people to take action, is you need to give them tension that is kind of evergreen. Tension is normally used with like urgency or scarcity of saying times running out, places running out, et cetera, et cetera. You can't really easily do that with a YouTube video. So you just say to them, you're getting to choose who you want to be today. You get to choose do you want to be someone who's going to fix this problem and go get it and do it? Or do you want to be someone that doesn't go do that and let the protection take over? Because the first step is just easy. The first step is clicking the link and taking the first action. So you're kind of giving that tension, but you're giving them a choice of saying, who do you want to be? Which is a much bigger question rather than, do you want to click a link? It's who do you want to be is a lot more a lot more stronger. And then you move into the A of educate, which is adapt. So this is the second day, but the second day is adapt. What's really nice to be able to do is to say, on your journey to creating this program or this framework um, that you have, you want to say to people, it wasn't always easy and it wasn't always perfect. And you're showcasing or kind of revealing a slight drawback to the product that once was. And so the adapt section of this is you're saying, when we first created it, it was always efficient. It always did the job, but it was a bit slow, complicated, costly. It wasn't very accessible. So let's say, for example, you say, right, the best doctor in the world, just most difficult person to get hold of because they're so in demand and they've got the solution, but I just can't get it because I don't have the right doctor. It's like they become a scarce resource that it's difficult to get hold of that person. You know that the solution works. It's just, it's just so difficult to get it. And that's another reason why your product is great, but needed work on it. And so you can say it had this drawback and it was too costly, it took too, too much time, whatever it was, just choose one thing that highlights that slight drawback. And by doing that, by going first and showing people there's a slight drawback, people will believe, like, you're a trustworthy source of information. I believe in what you're saying here, and I like you for telling me that there's a slight drawback. And you can say that's why we had to go back to the drawing board or where we had to kind of keep on improving this product until it was ready. And now that it is ready, that problem is fixed. People are getting results in record time. Uh, It's now accessible for a lower cost, and it's more accessible than ever before. Whatever the solution is that fix that problem to begin with is get it be able to be highlighted in the video. And that leads you onto the T of Educate, which is where you now talk about the trust element of your product. You can say now that problem is fixed or now that kind of slight drawback is fixed, look at the accolades we've got. This is the press talking about it. These are the events that I speak at. This is the book that I've written. Here's the testimonials we've received, the reviews we've received, whatever you want to kind of talk about your success stories, is where you can get an opportunity just to Quickly mention them, don't go deep into them, just more a case of just like saying, because of this adaption that we made to the actual framework, it's now got this sort of result. And then you'll go into the E of educate, is last letter, which is the exit, which is where you kind of say to people, here's what you're going to go do next. And you're going to lay it out for them, you can say, go do this, then this, it costs this much money, go and take your action now, tell them who it's for, who it's not for and remind them of their identity again, Are they going to be a go getter or not. And if there's any bonuses or guarantees you can include it in the video or you might want to leave that onto the website so it's up to you at that point but if you include all of that into a video and condense it down and just make it work for you you can get it down that last like from the unique ex- uh, to exit you can get it down to a minute because it's just fine tuning and, and tweaking you don't have to go deep into the content you're just pulling out the most important parts of what i've talked about and you're going to create a great ending of your video that makes people trust you want to do business with you and know exactly what the next steps are. And if you leave that price point in the video, then you're going to find that that will disqualify of people until so they won't click and so your CPM's nice and low anyway. And then if people do click, your conversion rate is going to be ridiculously high because they know exactly what the solution is all about. So yeah, hopefully that was useful.
0: <laughs> that was like a masterclass, Tom. Holy cow. That just, just the answer to that one question was like a masterclass. Thank you so much for answering that. And I'm sure a lot of people listening are like, man, I should create all of my videos organic or not this way, because this actually works. And what's great about what you're talking about is if you follow this method and these videos, you could start them out organically. And then the ones that really seem to have a high retention graph on those, those are the ones that you can turn into an ad, which I'm super excited about. Tom, I know we're just scratching the surface on everything that you have to offer. And if people want to discover more about you, because like I said, you know, there's so much more where this came from, from Tom. Where do you want, do you have a preferred social platform? And also if they want to reach out to you directly, do you have a website you want to send them to?
1: Yeah, of course. So I'm, I'm normally relatively present on Facebook, so you can meet me there and just type in Tom Breeze and there's normally some cheesy face of mine around there and just reach out. And then um, we actually have a piece of kit, like a tool that we call the x-ray that if you do already have YouTube content, you can run your channel through this system and it'll give you a complete report of all of your retention rates of your current videos, it'll pull out the best bits. so You can work out which videos to create next, and it will just showcase to you what videos are working, what intros could be improved and just allow you to create better video content that's primed and ready for organic as, ad- and as ads, as you mentioned, and we've made an exclusive link for that for, for you guys. So it's a uh, viewability.co.uk forward slash. S M E. So it's viewability.co.uk forward slash S M E. And you can go and get a free x-ray right there right now. Awesome. Well,
0: Tom, thank you for putting that together. And thank you for coming on and sharing your insights with us. I I know a lot of brains are like uh, exploding right now and probably writing down lots of notes and about to call managers and bosses and clients and all that fun stuff. So I appreciate your time so much today, Tom.
1: Mike, as always, I love it. Um, you always manage to ask really, really insightful questions. So it's uh, it's always fun having a chat.
0: Hey, if you missed anything, we took all the notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 565. And are you new to the show? Be sure to follow this show. That way you're going to get all the latest episodes downloaded every single week. And if you've been a longtime listener, would you let your friends know about this show? I'm at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.